Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Evenings at 7 on Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Looking forward to this hour because it means I get to spend time with you, which I can't wait to do. I've got some outstanding guests coming on the show. My regular guest, Dr. Alex McFarland, will be joining me in just a minute. And as I uh, go to his website, it's always kind of hard to see this alert that says, due to COVID-19 advisories, all live events have been canceled until further notice. It is never good when Alex McFarlane is just sitting home because he is a very gifted communicator. And when he gets out, he will evangelize the loss and equip the save. And uh, I just uh, know that he is chomping at the bit to get back out there and do what God's called him to do. In the meantime, he can still do shows like mine and probably uh, does other media things. I saw him uh, last week on a f- part of a forum, uh, which was very interesting. So, Uh, He is certainly not sitting around, that's for sure. So let me uh, take 60 seconds, and uh, we'll catch up with Dr. Alex McFarlane. I'm Suzy Larson, host of Middays, and I would like to invite you to a special live show this Saturday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. I'll be joined by my fellow hosts, Carmen LeBurge and Bill Arnold. It'll be a special hour for prayer and testimony. We want to hear from you. Please plan to join us this Saturday, April 4th from 9 to 10. You can call and text in stories of hope and encouragement, and we want to pray for you if you need that encouragement. Let's be the church and remind one another that God is still in control. I do hope you'll join us. We're learning that there's hope. He brought us into an understanding of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ so that every single person who is a child of God, who is a part of the person of Christ, is a part of the body of Christ. You would search the whole world over to find me. Connecting faith to life together. Faith Radio. Welcome back to the show. So glad to talk to my friend, Dr. Alex McFarland. Alex, you probably recognize that song, don't you? You know, I was just listening to that. No, not exactly. That's Bill Withers. It's Bill Withers. It wasn't. Yep, and he just died. I can't believe it. He just died yesterday. Did he? Well, I I remember... um, you and I, I guess, are about the same age. Do you remember when Lean on Me oh, yeah. was a worldwide mega hit? Oh, yeah. Remember that? Oh, yeah. What a great voice. You know, I was sitting here thinking, um, yeah, what what a really smooth voice, you know. So I didn't know that song, um, I, and I didn't know he passed away. Well, rest his soul. Yeah, and he was a stutterer as well when he was a child. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so he had quite a quite a nice music career and now, th- now was he like um 
um, Mel Tillis, he didn't stutter when he sang, but he he did when he talked, or did he completely overcome a speech impediment? I think it started as a ch- as a younger child, and then it, he had it. I think uh, through high school. I'm not sure. It did not show up in his singing, but I don't know how long he carried it on afterwards. Wow. Well, yeah. Well, you always let me say for my friend Bill Arnold, <laughs> great show, great content, great on-air personality, and the best bumper music in the business. Ah, thank you. I uh, I love I love the music. I think it's it's nice to be uh, having a little variety from time to time. So I appreciate. Sure. It. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I watched your event. I watched uh, a good portion of it, um, and that was uh, well done. You you are were my favorite, of course. Well, God bless you. We, you know, uh, we had several, well, not several, in the last two weeks, we've tried twice to do webcasts, and the panel discussion that you saw was actually uh, myself with a few pastors, and one of the reasons that we played that was because the live webcast that I was about to do on 10 Signs We May Be Near the End of History uh, we weren't able to do because there was such a delay, and, and I don't know if, in fact, I was working with one of my tech people today. Maybe so many people are at home surfing the net that the internet is behaving a little erratically, but we uh, we did not actually, you know, the panel you saw, thanks for watching it, but that wasn't exactly what we were going to broadcast, but we couldn't get the, the cameras to load for the broadcast we wanted to do. Now, what I am going to do on Monday, and I'm going to begin doing this a couple of times a week, and then if if we're able to with uh, crew, do it almost daily, but we're going to do at 11 a.m. Eastern a 15-minute little Bible study, inspirational thought, and that's going to be on my Facebook page, Rev Alex McFarland, R-E-V. Sweet. So on, on yeah, Facebook, on, on Alex McFarland. Monday morning, 11 a.m., I'm going to start my first of of what will be numerous digital little greetings and inspirational thoughts. Yeah, I would love to get a sneak preview of that. You're probably ready to go with your first or a couple ones, aren't you? Yeah, we, we are. Well, I mean, they're scripted, but we're actually going to be doing it live. Sweet, sweet. Because yeah. I'm, I'm always interested, Alex, how you uh, are processing uh, world events right now, and how you uh, can encourage us with hope in Christ, and for people to understand that God is sovereign in control, and we need to remain steadfast. Amen. Thank you, Bill, for for setting that up. Well, you know, there's so many great verses. I mean, so many. Look, I'm going to give one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. In Isaiah 26, uh, three and four, the Word of God says that. God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast on him. In other words, as we put our mind on Christ and we trust in him and we believe uh, in his word, okay, God will keep us in perfect peace because we trust in him, trust in the Lord forever. The Lord is our rock eternal. Uh, that's an Old Testament. Let me give a New Testament scripture. I, I think of Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of fear but a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind and self-control or self-discipline. Psalm 56.3, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And so, Bill, I want to say to everybody listening, and you're, you're a great audience, um, 
Yeah, I mean, this is serious. Obviously, this is a, a serious thing, and I think not only about the the physical implications and the illness, but the economic implications. And, you know, my heart just breaks for uh, all the people that are not working and not getting their hours. And uh, believe me, I relate because, you know, uh, I I travel and speak for a living, and March, April, May, June, I've got four months of speaking that is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. My, my next event is not until July 27 to speak at the the Billy Graham Training Center, the Cove, if indeed that event happens. So, uh, you know, there there are a lot of economic implications for all of us. But, you know, um, if God loved us enough to pay for sin and conquer the grave, I've got to believe he loves us enough to get us through this situation here in 2020. Mm -hmm. And Alex, when you think of some of uh, our listeners that might be a little bit um, isolated and they maybe are not able to connect with their kids and grandkids right now because for reasons and, and for the health of their community and themselves, they, they sometimes wave at their grandkids through the window, which is not what they want. They want a hug. They want arms around them. And maybe you could just uh, speak in your comforting way to how so many listeners would be in that situation. Yeah, it's very poignant, isn't it? And uh, it, it does make us grateful for things that maybe we took for granted. The ability to just go at our leisure and see a neighbor or a loved one, to have a hug. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it makes us grateful. Let, let me digress for just a second and say a word about church. Uh, people are asking, I just had this call on another show just 10 minutes ago. Um, you know, the Bible tells Christians to go to church, and now the CDC and all of the quarantine orders are telling people to stay home. And uh, should we disobey? I would say no. Uh, it, it's not like the government is saying, you know, curse God or we'll shoot you. Um, it's it's not that at all. The The quarantine and the prohibitions against meeting and everything, they're being universally applied Disneyland is closed, you know, stores are closed, restaurants are closed. So I I really, I do not think this is the time to engage in civil disobedience. I mean, it's being good neighbors, good citizens, Mm -hmm. and just being rational to try to minimize human contact. But I thought about this, Bill. Uh, Sometime between 54 and 64 AD, there was a huge fire in Rome, and Nero blamed it on Christians. And Christians were persecuted because Nero blamed this huge Roman fire on believers. And the church really, really was persecuted and suffered. And a few years after that, Paul wrote Romans, which includes Romans 13. And it says the governing authorities are permitted by God and are actually God's minister for the the gospel. And I think about it, if ever there were a government to rebel against, it would have been the government of Rome. And yet Paul was saying, obey the civil authorities. And so, I mean, again, if it's, you know, uh, deny Christ or we'll shoot you, well, fire away. Mm -hmm. But for something like this, I really would urge Christians not to engage in civil disobedience. 
I'm, I'm with you, Alex. I appreciate that word, and you did it with such a nice, uh, gentle tone. So thank you for your uh, your 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 delivery of that. That was wonderful. Let me take a little break. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. And if you have a question or concern, something you'd like to even ask Alex, please send me a text, 877-933-2484. And I'll ask on your behalf. Be right back. show dr alex mcfarland is my guest alex a listener chimed in with this comment god has ordained america as a government of by and for the people so we the people are the sovereign rulers and elected officials are our public servants of course we always want to be under god's sovereignty and obeying god first and foremost but we also um, want to be very respectful of, of the people who god has put in in power Amen. And, you know, we have this wonderful thing called uh, a voice and a vote. And so we really need, oh, my goodness, we really need to to vote and vote godly. Um, you know, I, w- I will say this, that the the Democrats attempt to pack the, the coronavirus relief bill with everything from Obama phones to money for the, the Kennedy Center. Uh, and, you know, I mean, think about it, how how immoral that at a time when people are hurting and we're talking about people's livelihood and people's welfare, to use that as an opportunity for political leverage, that shows why it's so important for constitutionalists to vote. I mean, if you believe in in our Constitution and you're a conservative, a Christian, you care about the makeup of the Supreme Court, you care about the makeup of the Houses of Congress, you know, this is why who we send to Washington is so important. You know, are they people who love God and country and actually want to be moral representatives of their constituencies, or are they political ideologues that are just fighting for a a globalist, one-world socialist agenda? Just the, the struggle over over that relief bill is illustrative of why we need to vote. The other thing I was going to say was I was reading yesterday, Bill, that um, in the you know the the last big news event prior to this juggernaut called COVID nineteen was just the final you know uh, noise of the the impeachment that the failed impeachment attempt, and I was reading an article that was saying that um, our Medical officials were really trying to get the ear of the president about this while the White House was having to struggle through that, you know, vacuous, fallacious inquisition called the impeachment hearings. And I just think about how much better served the American people would have been if, you know, the three or four or five months leading up to corona had not been wasted on a left wing witch hunt designed to overthrow the 2016 election results. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex, I, I'd love to get your take on when we have, um, this is the first pandemic that I can remember. I mean, I went through H1N1, but my life didn't change yeah. at all. I would occasionally see someone at an airport with a mask on, 
but I didn't yeah. think about it. I mean, this is the first time where my life has been changed in a dramatic fashion. Um, but I also know that God has done spectacular uh, growth to the body of Christ through times like this in life. Can you start to uh, project what kind of fruit will come out of this? Because there's a lot of sadness attached to it right now. Yeah. Wow, great question. And, you know, before time runs out, let me just say, as always, thank you for allowing me to be on your wonderful show. And thank you, Bill, for, you know, giving airtime to, you know, something where we can think and reflect and hopefully, you know, with the help of the Holy Spirit, come to some meaningful content. And so you're doing a great work. This is, you know, you were talking about people being isolated. This is one more reason why we need Christian radio, folks. And let me just encourage you to keep Christian radio on the air and support Christian radio like Faith Radio, because no doubt there are millions of people that are maybe tuning in to hear the gospel for the first time. But to the question of, you know, what's going to come out of this, um, look, you know, none of us wanted this. We don't want harm to come to anybody. It's a bad thing. We agree. However, my prayer is that a good thing would come out of this. I mean, you know, Bill, think about it. Here in America and the West, uh, for, for decades, I mean, America has essentially told God to take a hike for years. From from kindergarten to grad school, public education has been militantly secular. Um, very few elected officials are willing to risk offending woke activists by taking stands on moral issues. The entertainment industry, you know, glorifies um, actions that citizens of previous generations would have had no problem crying out against. And I think about this bill like whenever when any when any, you know, celebrity or activist um or or actor I should say takes a moral stand against obscenity or immorality, you know, they're just swiftly shamed and, and bludgeoned into apologizing on social media. So I would say this we have, as a nation, we have needed the humbling that COVID-19 is bringing. And uh, let me let me ask this. Do you remember a few months ago on the Academy Awards, the host was Ricky Gervais, who's the British mm-hmm. originator of yeah. The Office. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. And, and what's interesting was he came out and he gave his opening monologue, and it took everybody by surprise because Ricky Gervais – who, by the way, is, is a professed atheist. But Ricky Gervais gave all that Hollywood crowd pretty much a verbal beatdown. And he said, as you come up here to get your awards, please don't make speeches. He said, and quote, he said, none of you are in a position to lecture anybody about anything. And he pretty much, you know, lamented the morals of Hollywood and how glad he was this was the last time he would host because he said that, you know, you're all a bunch of degenerates. That's pretty much what he said. Mm-hmm. And every, oh, I mean, everybody had a meltdown. But it's almost like now the whole world is, many people are, are reading the Bible, calling out to God. We're getting just our our small ministry, Truth for a New Generation. 
I counted, we're averaging 91 people a day that are emailing saying, I'm not a, a particularly religious person, but I need to get right with God. How do I do that? Wow. Fantastic. I, I mean, the month of March, when we, and we, we mailed out, think about this, we just mailed out 483 or four booklets to people about their soul. The month of March, our, our traveling and our event schedule has come to zero, mm-hmm. and yet we may see more people come to Christ in the month of March than we would have in the entire year of traveling. Now, if COVID-19 humbles us, we repent, turn to God, God forgive us, save us, um, then so be it. And so you ask, what what are the long-term outcomes? Only God knows. I will say this. I think we're very near the return of Christ, the one world currency, the one world health care system some are calling for. Um, I I do think the world is never going to be the same, Uh, and there's going to be more call to police nations. I mean, when I think about North Korea and China, uh, and and let me say, I think, oddly enough, the um, the excoriation the rest of the world is going to put on China is probably only going to double up China's resolve to be to dominate the world. Mm-hmm. China is going to uh, get further in league with Russia to be the world power to ultimately um, fight against Israel. So, folks. To have your spiritual house in order, shall we say, this is the time to make sure you have Christ in your life. Those are such wise words, and I think about that every time I come into the studio. My highest goal is that someone listening would come to a new faith in Christ and that other believers would be built up in their faith and encouraged to have um, uh, hope to share the, the hope that they have with others. Well, you do such a good job. You, you really do, and um, I, I, I appreciate it. You know, the good news, though, back to the the reality, I mean, it's a fallen world. It's a dark, it's a dangerous world, uh, of course, but, you know, there's so many scriptures that we could point to. Jeremiah 17, verse 7, you know, says, uh, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, uh, whose confidence is in him. Um, Psalm 121, the Lord will keep us from all harm. He will watch over our life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. So um, it's a fallen world. It's a world of of sin and danger and darkness, but it's a world of great joy and brightness and truth. And the best world is coming. Yeah, amen to that. Jesus is the pathway to get us there. Yeah. Alex, thank you so much for doing the show. Always nice to talk to you, my friend. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you so much. God bless you you all. God bless you. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. You can go to alexmcfarland.com to learn more about him, his writing, his speaking. We'll take a little break. When we come back, Dr. Cal Beisner is going to be joining us. Can't wait.
Welcome back to the show. Always glad to get a chance when I can to talk to Dr. Cal Beisner. He's the founder and national spokesman for the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. And he's been getting some pretty nasty emails lately. So I can't wait to find out about what's going on. Cal, welcome back to the show. Hey, Bill, thanks for having me back on the show. Uh, yeah. Gee whiz, you only care when we get nasty emails? <laughs> no, I care all the time, Cal. I, I just find that you've been uh, on the re- receiving end of some uh, pretty nasty messages, though, lately. And I'd love for you to tell our listeners what you've been going through. Well, uh, we, we've just had some attacks on us uh, because of an article that the New York Times ran a week ago today by a woman named Catherine Stewart, who, who bills herself in the About the Author page of her book, The Power Worshippers, as one of the leading authorities on the political aspects of the religious right. Mm. And uh, Actually, if you read more about her, if you do a little research for on her online, uh, what you find is that she is a uh, a pretty uh, pretty what shall we say vicious secularist. Uh, she has been uh, she's been awarded the uh, uh, oh, let's see, pardon me the uh, I'm sorry. She was, she was named Person of the Year by Americans United for the Separation of Church and State. Basically, oh, wow. she wants to drive religious voices out of the uh, public uh, sphere. And uh, so she, in this article in the New York Times called um, The Religious Rights Hostility to Science is Crippling Our Coronavirus Response, she says that it's a bunch of anti-science, or as she puts it, science denier evangelicals who have uh, who've made it so the Trump, you know, Trump administration doesn't have the scientific uh, advice that it needs to respond properly to the coronavirus. You know, she might try telling that to uh, doctors Anthony Fauci and Deborah Burks, who are two of the world's top epidemiologists. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the piece, if I have this correct, Cal, uh, that the New York Times uh, penned was that she wrote was called The Road to uh, coronavirus coronavirus hell was paved by evangelicals. So it really wasn't Wuhan, China, that uh, where it originated. It's the evangelicals that have caused the problems. Yeah, that was the title of one of her articles. Uh, and you know, she's done basically the same article about four or five different times in different publications with different titles. Um, but yeah, basically what she does, she tries to describe evangelicals as science deniers. Uh, climate deniers, and she puts us into that category. She says basically that uh, that the Corona, that the uh, Cornwall Alliance and its allies have uh, have made sure that the Trump administration is not well uh, well advised on scientific issues. I could wish that the Cornwall Alliance were that <laughs> that influential, uh-huh. uh, but uh, certainly she doesn't do her homework as a journalist. If she did, she would have gone to our website and discovered that out of our roughly 70 scholars, about a third of them are natural scientists, including some of the world's top climate scientists. Uh, But she just doesn't do that. She simply has an ax to grind, and she does what is basically a hit job, a hit piece, uh, with all the the standard tools of yellow journalism, uh, caricature, guilt by association, hasty generalization. Uh, she she just picks and chooses what she wants to report and ignores anything contrary. Mm-hmm. 
So, Cal, how are Christians responding to all this? Well, a variety of Christians have responded. Tony Perkins, for instance, of the Family Research Council, uh, did a response a few days ago, and actually uh, his program, Washington Watch, just had me on. Uh, literally, <laughs> literally, your call was ringing in at the very same time that I was finishing off on that program uh, just now. Uh, but various others have, have responded as well. And what they're pointing out is that she... Uh, she just terribly misrepresents who evangelicals are. Uh, one way she does this is that she quotes three different pastors, megachurch pastors, all of whom were saying uh, that they were not going to cancel their worship services, uh, one of whom said that he was going to send anointed handkerchiefs to mm. his followers, which would been, ensure that they were going to be healed, things like this. Well, what she didn't point out is that all three of these are in the name it and claim it, positive confession, health and wealth gospel movement that is condemned as heresy by Orthodox Christianity, pretty mm -hmm. much all evangelicals. Uh, these, these are not at all representative. She could instead have quoted from, for instance, uh, Dr. Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries and former president of National Religious Broadcasters, far more representative sort of a person who said that love of neighbor requires us to give our best effort to stopping the spread of the virus by avoiding large gatherings. Uh, she could have quoted from the Family Research Council, from the American Center for Law and Justice, from, from uh, Focus on the Family, which had Dr. Francis Collins, the, the director of the National Institutes of Health, on their flagship program to warn of the danger and explain how to, how to combat it. She could have quoted Al Mohler of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, or, or so many others who are truly representative, and they all were saying to take the coronavirus very seriously, to take very important steps to curb its spread and so on, but she apparently didn't want people to know. But none of those uh, people that you just uh, cited, uh, Cal, would have supported her narrative. Oh, not, uh, not at all. They all would have been completely contrary to her narrative. So what she's done is she's, she's built a caricature, um, a straw man, and knocked it down instead of, instead of properly portraying evangelicals. She does that in her book, The Power Worshippers, uh, where basically she says uh, conservative evangelicals want to force the Christian faith on everybody in America, that we want to force all the children in public schools to be Christians. Uh, we want to force them to have to be in Bible studies and things like that. This is all absolutely absurd. Uh, it's, it's a complete misrepresenta misrepresentation, and frankly, it's slander. But that's a fairly typical approach for some of the more radical people on the left. Uh, tell me again, who celebrated her? Was it the, the Religious Freedom Council? No, it was uh, Americans uh, United for the Separation of Church oh. and State. Okay, now I'm getting a flashback of uh, Ron, uh, Ron Reagan Jr.'s uh, commercial he did for that, which I think showed up at the Super Bowl, where he yeah. said, please send in money. I'm an avowed lifelong atheist. Oh, and by the way, I'm not afraid of uh, burning in hell. That's how he ended it. Yeah, and what, what Americans United for Separation of Church and State constantly forgets is that the First Amendment's religion clauses are two, not just one. The first one tells us that Congress is to make no law re 
respecting an establishment of religion. And AUSCS is always quoting that, but it ignores the second clause, and that is that Congress can make no law denying the free exercise thereof. And what that means is that people of all religions in the United States are free to exercise their religions, not just to have private beliefs or to have worship privately in their, in their own churches or synagogues or mosques, but to actually speak out and act out and live out their religious beliefs in the public sphere. Uh, you know, these, these militant secularists are the ones who really wanna shut everybody else up and force their own atheistic religion down other people's throats. Yeah, well, Cal, what isn't new is people outside uh, in the secular world uh, looking for ways to mock Christianity, and they will mm-hmm. always do it in from a very ignorant standpoint. They, they, they truly won't understand it. They'll just look for a way to mock it. Exactly. And that's why, frankly, we need to be prepared always, uh, as Peter points out in in, uh, 1 Peter 3.15, be ready at all times to give to everyone an answer, a reason for the faith that lies within us. Uh, So, you know, frankly, that's part of why I did the response to Catherine Stewart, uh, which was published, by the way, in The Federalist um, a couple of days ago. And, uh, you know, we, we simply cannot let those who attack the faith go unanswered. Um, I'm at the Federalist website right now, Cal. Maybe you could uh, tell us more uh, about what you said. Well, I know, uh, I know uh, you've probably shared a lot already, so... A little bit, yeah. Um, let's see. Part of what I what I referred to was uh, regarding to what what she said about the Cornwall Alliance. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that we, that, uh, that we had produced a declaration asserting as a matter of theology, that there is no convincing scientific evidence that human contribution to greenhouse gases is causing dangerous global warming. But we did not offer that judgment as a matter of theology. Instead, right where we said it, where she was quoting from, we linked to a 76-page paper called Renewed Call to Truth, Prudence, and Protection of the Poor that had a chapter in it of uh, roughly a third of that total length on the science of climate change written by NASA award-winning climatologist, Dr. Roy Spencer, a principal research scientist in climatology at the University of Alabama and author of many, many peer-reviewed scientific papers on climate change with the aid of nine other scientists. Uh, she, She misrepresents us too, saying that we denounced environmental science as a cult of the green dragon and cast environmentalism as an alternative and false theology. Well, no, we don't, we don't denounce environmental science, though in the tradition of all good science, we do reserve the right to point out errors in scientific studies. Instead, we criticize radical environmentalism masquerading as objective science to serve unscientific agendas. And, and frankly, over and over in public documents, uh, we distinguish radical environmentalism from environmentalism per se. And we explain the difference between environmentalism and radical environmentalism, showing that radical environmentalism is a false religion. In contrast to Christianity, it degrades man, deifies nature, and disregards the poor, and is the face of the anti-human pro-death agenda. Mm-hmm. So uh, what she does is she tries to paint us ex- as extreme 
when in fact we're we're middle of the road uh, as far as Christian worldview and historic Western civilization is concerned, and we're criticizing the extremes of the radical environmentalist movement. Well, you know, Cal, you've always been uh, you've always had great um, understanding and helped me understand how the poor are the people that suffer the most when it comes to some of the the climate change deals and proposals. And a, a listener jumped in. This might be a little out of your wheelhouse, but the question was uh, based on the effects of poverty. And when economist Steve Morris said that the projected 30% unemployment rate will result in 300,000 deaths, the question was, you know, that's a big number. How should Christians respond to the information like this? Well, we should take it very, very seriously. As a matter of fact, I have just uh, written a major article in which I asked the question, how many uninfected people will the war on the coronavirus kill? Uh, That article hasn't been published yet, but I go through a number of different economic studies in the past of how much economic loss it takes to generate one extra statistical death. Uh, And in terms of those various studies, you can you can look at the amount of loss that we've already suffered to our economy, let alone how much is yet to come from the shutdown, and you can calculate we may we may kill by our war on the corner the coronavirus, not by the virus itself. We may kill anywhere from oh, an extremely conservative estimate of perhaps twenty thousand to I think a more much more likely estimate of of 50 to 60,000. And I think Steve Moore's uh, calculation of possibly 300,000 is entirely plausible. Um, you know, this is not a question of lives versus money. It's, a, it's an, a recognition that money is part of what prolongs lives. It enables you to afford adequate food, clothing, shelter, uh, pure drinking water, uh, sewage sanitation, health care, safe transportation, all of those things. And as people's uh, incomes fall or disappear, um, they get less of all of those things that are necessary for health and long life. And that results in more people dying sooner. Of course, we're all going to die in the end. But what we don't want to do is to force people to die years and years earlier than they otherwise would. And frankly, the coronavirus... If you get sick with that, unless you are already quite elderly or have some underlying condition like a a lung condition or heart disease or leukemia or something of that sort, uh, immunodeficiency, uh, the the COVID-19 itself is not particularly deadly to people other than that. So it's it's likely that the, the economic losses from the war on the coronavirus are going to kill more people, that is, deprive more people of more years of life Mm. than the coronavirus itself. That's so so sobering. Uh, Cal, let me take a little break. Dr. Cal Beisner is my guest. Go to cornwallalliance.org to learn more about his work, and we'll take a very short break and be right back.
Welcome back to the show. Dr. Cal Beister is my guest. Cal, if I remember correctly, as a young as a young lad, you grew up uh, spending some time in Calcutta, India, didn't you? I did indeed. How yeah. long How long were you there? A year. My dad would have loved to have had a, a, a full career with the U.S. State Department, but it got cut short because my mother. Uh, was paralyzed by a uh, uh, tropical virus while we were there. And it was because of her paralysis that uh, for about six months, I was walked down the street every day to an Indian home where I would spend the day. And along the way, on the one hand, I saw some beautiful, beautiful trees and whatnot that later on I came to realize were just wonderful gifts of God and the, the beauty of his creation. But also, I was stepping over the bodies of people who had died overnight of starvation and disease. And those are some of the most powerful memories in my, in my life, uh, the pictures of, of those people dead on the streets. And wow. I was stepping right over them. And that is part of what motivated me, ultimately, to start the Cornwall Alliance to, to prevent the harm to the poor that is done by so much of of imprudent environmental uh, policies. Yeah, and I just saw that India had uh, set a 21-day complete lockdown to try to stop the spread, and it just made, yes. me, uh, made me wonder, having you lived there, you're probably too young to remember it a lot, but what it would be like in India today to have that locked down for 21 days? Well, we have actually a writer with the Cornwall Alliance, uh, Vijay Jayaraj. He's a climate scientist and an Indian. He lives in Delhi, India, and he's been writing to me on an almost daily basis about what's going on. It's really, really frightening there. Uh, even access to pure drinking water, which is difficult anytime in India, is even more difficult now. Um, most people, in order to get safe drinking water, buy it in cans. And as of almost a week ago, those cans were no longer available for people. So what we're going to see there as a result of the lockdown is lots and lots of people dying of dysentery and, and the extreme dehydration that comes from that because they can't even get safe drinking water anymore. And that's likely to hit them before the coronavirus has a chance. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also stirring up all kinds of social unrest, uh, corruption in, in various parts of the government. Uh, he was telling me of police actually hijacking shipments of various supplies, and in some cases, literally just dumping them into rivers, but uh, certainly stealing much and essentially selling it on the black market. So there are huge problems going on in India. And, Frankly, we would really appreciate the prayers of your listeners for uh, Vijay Jayaraj, Vijay Jayaraj, and his wife uh, Miriam and their daughter Abigail, because they're in a, a, a really severe place, far more dangerous than what we have here in the United States. And what does he say in terms of getting uh, groceries and uh, just the necessities of life as they're all holed up in their their apartments? Well. The hoarding that we're seeing here in America is happening there and, frankly, around much of the world anyway. So most of the shelves are bare in an awful lot of stores. Once a shipment comes in, it gets uh, taken up very, very quickly by whatever people can get there. But also there's difficulty even getting there uh, in that the president of India has issued this nationwide stay-at-home sort of an order 
So people can get in, in trouble just simply from going out down the street to get to a grocery store. Supposedly, that's permitted, but there's a lot of trouble going on in identifying who's actually doing that properly and who's not. Um, so Vijay and his family are having a tough time even getting adequate food. Uh, and this is a guy with <laughs> with an advanced degree in climate science. He's, you know, he's uh, he's the sort of person who who should be earning a good income in India that would go much farther than that for most Indians. Uh, if this is what he's experiencing, uh, much worse for the average Indian. Mm-hmm. So, in you, the corn at the Cornwall Alliance think tank, uh, I would imagine this is pretty much the biggest topic of conversation. Do I have that right? Well, it has certainly taken a great deal of my attention. I don't normally look so much at medical issues like this, but because this has really profound economic consequences and a major part of our mission is to to educate the public and policymakers about economic development, especially for the poor, but the opposite side of economic development is economic collapse. And that's what's happening in much of the world right now as nations take on what I consider to be extreme and perhaps perhaps, uh, exaggerated responses. Now, please don't misunderstand me. The coronavirus is a very dangerous thing. And heightened personal hygiene, uh, social distancing, um, uh, minimizing personal contact beyond our own families, avoiding large group gatherings, staying home when you're sick so you don't spread disease to others and overburden the healthcare system and so on. All of these things are critically important. And, and I do think, even though I think that here in the United States, some of the orders uh, coming from our, our governors and our mayors are unconstitutional. Nonetheless, I think that <laughs> abiding by them is prudent anyway. It's a matter of loving our neighbors so that we're not participating in in spreading this disease so rapidly as to overwhelm our healthcare system. So don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we should just ignore this or anything like that. That's basically what uh, Catherine Stewart was saying, <laughs> evangelicals were saying. No, uh, we should be doing everything we can to slow the spread. But at the same time, we need to carefully chart a path between underreaction, which lets the virus do far more harm than it otherwise would, and overreaction, which could lead to economic loss doing more harm than the virus itself. Mm-hmm. I, I can just look back at history in, in 1929 when there was, as a result of the economic collapse, there was, I think, seven million people that had died from starvation and just basic general health problems. And then also out of that group, 140,000 had ended their own lives. So there's a, yes. there's some awfully uh, scary history's got some scary uh, yeah. facts. It has. And this is why I'm arguing now that we really need to hear, it's been wonderful to hear from so many great medical experts, especially the epidemiologists, but now we need to be hearing from more and more economists and policy experts who are able to say, look, this much response is really likely to bring more benefit than harm. That much response could bring more harm than benefit. And you really need a lot of very detailed study to figure that out. I don't think anybody knows the answer at this point. 
but it sure needs to be asked and it sure needs to be investigated carefully. And our governing authorities need to be hearing from from people from various different perspectives on this. Yeah. Cal, we've just got less than a minute. Give us a little bit of hope. <laughs> well, here's the hope, and that is that uh, though the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You know, Hebrews 9.27 says, it's appointed for everyone once to die, and after that, the judgment. If we face that judgment only in our own righteousness, we have no hope. But if we face that judgment, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ to have paid the penalty for our sins on the cross and to have risen from the dead, if we repent of our sins and, and cast ourselves on him, then we have hope of eternal life. We have assurance of it. I hope to one day be eloquent like you, Cal. Oh, uh, Bill, you already are. <laughs> Thank you. I'm out of time. I'm out of time, but tell me where I can find this soon-to-be-released article on economic effects. Well, eventually we will have it on our website. Fantastic. I'll be looking for another publisher first. Okay. Um, but okay. I'm hoping that by middle of next week we'll have it on our website. Thank you so much. Thanks. That wraps up our time. Have a great weekend, everyone. It's time to ring the bell. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.